Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, David Smoke from Sikkim 365 Radio joins us to preview OU Baylor. In the National College Football Roundup, we preview some of the best games in Week 11, including TCU, Oklahoma State, and Michigan-Penn State. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Cleveland Browns and New England Patriots, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, November 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in November from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $115,000 in cash bonus play and prizes in Riverwind's $115,000 Let's Get Digital promotion. Preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize drawings will happen at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Teddy, we're getting too many birthday shout-outs, so I'm moving them till after we talk about the OU football stuff. Fair? Fair enough. Let's do it. Because I don't want to cheat the people, and we need to get to the OU stuff. We can't be doing five right minutes. Of, you, you know, got to get there. You know, also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, email us at the Oklahoma Breakdown. Dot, dot, that's not right. The <laughs> Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. We'll get you all the details. Okay. OU stuff. Lincoln Riley was at practice on Wednesday, mm. he was there coaching the Oklahoma sure. football team. He was not in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right. I'll take your word for it. Saw him with my own eyes. But, I, hey, I saw a screenshot of a, of 
a plane flying from Norman to Baton Rouge, though, Gabe. So I don't know. I don't know if I trust your firsthand account. If if Lincoln was able to pull off being in two different locations at the same time, it's truly the most remarkable feat in the history of the world. Defying the laws of physics. Or maybe he cloned himself. I know that's a theory that's been floating around. But yeah, yeah. no. And listen, I'm not saying that LSU is not a really good job. And I'm not saying that LSU is probably going to throw a lot of money at Lincoln Riley. I just saying he wasn't in Baton Rouge this week. Okay. Well, I doubt it was him anyways. It was probably just his wife going down there to look for real estate. Right. Isn't that how that works? Yeah, that's totally how that works. <laughs> just ridiculous. I, I was getting so many tweets about it. I was like, what is happening? But yeah. So that was, that was a fun couple hours on Twitter. Yeah, well, hey, you know, it's um I get it. It it's that time of the year, man, and it's a good thing whenever big jobs are open and your coach's names get thrown out there that means you got a highly coveted uh coach running the show. So, yeah, I I'm it's not not surprising and LSU's going to break out the big guns to try and make a really big hire. They're going to spend some serious dough. Um I, you know, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to LSU. I don't. I know nothing about it, but I know that they've probably uh, called his his people and probably thrown out some serious dollar bill numbers to uh, to at least even have a conversation. And don't know if he said anything back, but I guarantee they've been sniffing around. Yeah, and I I am confident that OU would match any offer he got. I'm I'm confident in that. Okay, let's let's move on to this game. Big game this weekend. OU Baylor in Waco 11 a.m. Okay, first injury updates. Ted man, it sounds like this is going to be the healthiest this team has been pretty much all season. I mean, even including the opener uh, offensively, Mike Woods is back. He's good to go. Uh, the only question offensively is whether or not they'll be comfortable enough with where Theo Weiss is at. If they not sure if they'll feel feel good enough about where he's at right now to put him out on the field during the game, but that's that's kind of something they're working out late in the week. Defensively, it sounds like the last two weeks have been very good to Woody Washington. I mean, very very good when it comes to his progress coming off that injury. And at this point, Ted, honestly. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play against Baylor yep. with what we're hearing. Yeah, I think he I think he probably will. Um it's interesting though. It, it, it's tough to say cuz here's the ultimately here's what I personally would love to see. I'd love to see DJ Graham, Woody Washington, your two starting corners. Okay? I'd love to see Turner yell at nickel. And I'd love to see Key Lawrence and Pat Fields at safety. That gets your best five defensive backs on the field at all times, right? Or, you know, there'll be rotations and stuff like that. But that's your best five, in my opinion. Um, It's going to be hard to do if Woody Washington isn't, right? He may be full goal health-wise, but technique, he's missed a ton of time. And it's a big ask. To, to have him come back and just expect him to round into perfect form whenever he's still coming back 
from an injury. So that's a big ask. Um, but I, my guess is that's probably not going to happen. You're going to see Key Lawrence quite a bit uh, playing some corner, which hard to argue with is good and competitive as he looked. Yeah, and especially with a guy like Tyquan Thornton on the other side, you know, 6'3", long, rangy wide receiver that can run. Key Lawrence, I, and Grinch really isn't a guy that travels his corners with specific guys, right? You see it a lot in college football. Hey, you've got your boundary corner. You've got your field corner. Not, not a lot of traveling kind of simplifies some things, but wouldn't mind seeing Key Lawrence travel with Thornton a little bit it, just because it's, it's such a better size matchup uh, as opposed to Woody Washington. Even DJ Graham, like he's got long arms, but it's not like he's 6'1 or anything like that. Yeah. No, hey, I, I think that if, if you can, and he had a little bit of time to work on the technique there with the bye week, um, he was thrown into the fire there pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I, hey, as competitive and aggressive as he was, and I think one of the great bonuses that you get is, we talked about this, but in some of those formations, whenever you've got slot, two receivers on the same side, and you just got tight ends on the backside, you got three safeties out there on the field. And you've now pulled what usually is a corner into the fit. Now it's he's playing corner, but it's a safety body type that's comfortable being physical and coming up and supporting the run. So I think there's a ton of positives with him playing corner. But in a perfect world, if you want your best five out there, DJ Graham, Woody Washington, Turner Yell at nickel, and Key Lawrence and and Pat Fields at safety. Don't think that's going to be what we see this week, but maybe at some point this season. Yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it progresses. But, yeah, I, I'm expecting to see a lot of Woody Washington at corner and a lot of Key Lawrence at corner. Uh, we'll see how it kind of shakes out. So w- one of the other things, I-, I went back. I was bored on Tuesday night. Uh, we are sleep training, our son. So there, there, there's this little check-in method where you like you check in every 15 minutes and you say, like, Hey, it's okay. You don't pick them up or anything, but you like reassure them that you haven't abandoned them. It's a thing. I don't know. I'm just doing what my wife tells me to do, Ted. So as I'm listening to my son cry for about an hour straight and checking on him every 15 minutes, I decided to rewatch the tech game. I know it was garbage time, but Marcus Major has juice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, I mean, he, I was, I watched it again and I was just like, damn, this guy. And I know he fumbled. I get it. They got to find a way to get him the ball a little bit. Just from, I'm just calling it how I see it, Ted. Like, you know how much I love Kennedy Brooks. I love what Eric Gray brings as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but they haven't looked like Marcus Major looked on tape the other week. They just haven't. So I, I don't know how you don't get that guy a couple more touches. I'm just saying, man, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. And I know we, we, we kind of halfway joke about fresh legs and stuff, but I once had a coach 
in the NFL, uh, it was probably like week 10 or 12 in the season. And we're watching a practice. And like, there's no room for, like, just because you're in season doesn't mean that practice is like slowing down. It's still like high effort and they're on you about effort and you're flying around to the football. Well, <laughs> he showed us a play from OTAs and then a play from our current practice. And it looked like there was 11 Olympic sprinters out there playing defense. I mean, the speed was just like, oh, my God, that looks unbelievable whenever you put them like, next to each other. You still feel like you're doing the same thing, but it doesn't look anything close to it. That's where he is right now. He's in that OTA phase where, and I know he's been out there with him, but man, to be able to get those first carries, you've been pent up all season. You come in late and yeah, chomping at the bit. And I think if if you get leads in these, these last couple of games, he's the guy that you want carrying the ball. The one thing though, Gabe, put that sucker on the turf. Now I know it rolled out of bounds. And it didn't cost them. But if you want to be the closer, you have to hang on to the football. That is the only key. I I think that that fumble cost him touches in this game coming up on Saturday. Right? Because, I mean, he just – he looks so good. But you're, you're right. The it's number one be thing, the you, thing they talk about, you know? It's all you do. Protect the football. That's, that's the whole deal. But – I'm just saying, I, I don't think he's going to get a big workload against Baylor. I don't, but with what I saw with my eyes, that's a guy that needs the ball. I, it's that's just, that's, that's how I see it. And he is, he is, and I don't know what the, they list him at, but physically in the way he runs, he is a different type of dude carrying the football. And that is not on defense what you want to see late in a football game. Like bigger, thicker, stronger, and fresh. I'll say it. Guys, guys got a nice posterior chain. Thicker lower half, Ted. You know what I'm looking at when it comes Big to the athletes guy, out there. Big glue guy, are you, huh? Okay. Thick yeah. thighs stay, save lives, Ted. Come on now. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little Baylor. And uh, what we've been doing, we've been doing a little scouting report, right? And you look at them offensively it's pretty simple what they do right everything is built off outside zone or variations of that play whether it's stretched to the tight end or if it's outside zone to the open side that's what they do now they'll sprinkle in some pin pull toss schemes that they've had some success on but it's really all about running different variations of outside zone and then building play action and the boot game off of that they drop back pass very, very little. So that's why when people point out like, oh, they've barely given up any sacks, that's because they don't put Gary Bohannon on, in situations to get sacked. And they don't make their offensive line, you know, hold on to pass blocks for, you know, four seconds. That's just not a lot of what they do. But, Ted, that outside zone, the way that they run it, they run it the way it's supposed to be run. Man, they fly off the football with velocity, and Abram Smith runs 
his ass off. And you really never know where he's going to take it. And that just, that's just going to make it really tough on OU's defense, man. It's just, it just is. It is. And tacking the perimeter is kind of the best thing that you can do against OU's defense. Um, you know, we stem and stunt a lot on, on the defensive line. Um, my guess is they'll probably shut some of that stuff down because of the outside zone. Um, but yeah, they're, they're good at it. Abram Smith, you know, everyone in this league knows Bijan Robinson. Everyone in this league knows Brees Hall. You know, Abram Smith has a better yard per carry than both of those guys. And what he's got as many touchdowns. He's physical. He's aggressive. He's fast. Uh, he runs behind his pads. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. And the passing game is, is about what you would expect off of a zone team. Reminds me of a West Coast offense passing attack. A lot of sticks, uh, a lot of spacing. And did you, uh, when you were in New Orleans, did you guys have the lion and dragon? Oh yeah. Come on. Dragon. Absolutely. Yep. Lion and dragon double slants, uh, is the lion and dragon is the, uh, the slant with the flat route underneath it. it you're going to see some type of variation off of different surfaces with, with those type of routes over and over and over. And then they will take shots to Tyquan Thornton down the field, right? Mm -hmm. If they're running, especially if they're running it well, that will, they'll, they'll fake outside zone. That entire defense, the entire defense will react, especially if they're running it well. And Tyquan Thornton can absolutely run. I don't know what happened to him last year. He, he's looking like the guy that he was two years ago. Mm -hmm. So he is, he's making plays for them. And at 6'3, he could present a problem for this secondary because if my memory serves me correctly, Ted, the last big tall wide receiver that this team played against was some guy named Quentin Johnston at TCU, and he had quite the day. Yeah, he did. And here's one of the problems about whenever they throw the ball deep. It's all out of max protect. All Absolutely. max protect. They're going to keep a back and tied in. in. They're going to build a big wall there that you can't get to the quarterback. And like one receiver type routes, he's just going to – uh, he's going to zero in on him and just absolutely let it go. So yeah, it's, it's a dangerous offense. It really is. It's, and they're number one offense in the big 12 for quite some time until recently, Oklahoma finally passed them. Yeah. And they will, they're going to use, I think they're going to play in a ton of 12 personnel in this game. Uh, I think they're going to look at, you know, some of the weaknesses. OU's defense has had when teams have gone to those bigger personnel groupings. Baylor already uses more 12 than any team OU has faced this season. I think they're going to get a big dose of that. And Ben Sims is a guy. He does a good job as a blocker at the tight end position for Baylor. And I, I don't think he's like – he's not Rob Gronkowski or anything like that in the passing game. But he's a, he's a guy that can make plays as a pass catcher as well. So the defensive ends for OU, the edge players, you know, Benito – Grimes, those guys, Downs, they're going to have to have a really good day. Really good day. They're going to have to set the edge in the run game and they're going to have to they're going to have to beat double team combinations between tight ends and offensive tackles. And that ain't yep. easy. It ain't easy, but they got to do it. Yep. Yeah, and you know, there's against outside zone teams, 
the good ones make it really hard because there's the difference between setting an edge and turning and running and trying to stay outside, right? And that whole thing just gets washed and you're spacing out the guys in front of you. And that's what they want, right? They want to stretch it to where those gaps become bigger and bigger and you get those guys on different levels. And here's the other thing is that when you when you have an out a good outside zone team and you run split action off of it, which we've seen a lot of that and it's given us trouble. If you run split action off of it, it slows that backside guy down just for a little bit, right? He's thinking, is it boot? Is it boot? And am I, am I going to have to come out here for the quarterback? It just that tiny hesitation, Gabe, you know this with a good outside zone team and a good back, that's all it takes to cut it all the way back and find that spot. And Abram Smith will do exactly that. He'll keep it front side. He'll run it in between the stretch of the front side. And if the backside can get the backside cut off, he'll run it in between that space there. But you're right. He'll cut it all the way back. And the one thing he does, no matter where he's taking the ball, he is running hard as hell. Mm -hmm. Like it is downhill, physical, there's not a bunch of wasted movement with this dude. He arrives at defenders full speed, ready for some contact. The only thing you get to tackle is the top of his helmet and top of his shoulder pads and knees. There's no other surface level there to tackle, and that's not fun. It, it does not look fun watching it on tape. Okay, defensively, Baylor, I know that Chandler Morris just picked him apart last weekend, but I, I still think this is a good defense. And really watching that game, my opinion of them really hasn't changed. I thought their weakness was always at corner. I still think their weakness is at corner. I think Tejada, Walcott, Barnes, like they're, they're okay. I think, oh, you can run by them. Uh, I really do. And I think Lincoln will find ways to create one-on-one matchups against those guys. But this is a defense that can bounce back and forth in between an even front and an odd front. Uh, they major in variations of cover three and cover four, and they're very good in zone, in zone coverage. The windows are small, and they do a really good job of passing things off when it comes to crossing routes. They bring a ton of pressure, bring more pressure than any team that OU's seen this season by far. A lot of pressure from the inside linebackers, Dylan Doyle and Terrell Bernard, and then Teddy, do you just – is this where I just let you talk about the nickel, Jalen Petrie? He's, he's one of the best blitzers I've ever seen. You know, a lot of teams will call like, like the angle or they call it a bunch of different things. It's the nickel pressure from the field uh, or from the strong side of the formation if the ball's in, in the middle. And it's guys are usually late. Guys are usually, um, like if there's a tackle blocking them, they've got no chance. If it's a back, uh, you know, they usually start to shut it down too early. He never breaks stride at all. He's a thousand miles an hour and his blitz to like production ratio has to be better than anyone I've ever seen. When they bring him, something is happening. He's going to crush the quarterback. He's going to get a sack. He's going to get a tackle for loss. He's going to massively affect the play. And, um, you know, he, he does that. He'll disguise. 
He's fast. He'll chase all the way across the field. Rarely misses tackles. Physical as hell. He'll come and hit you in the run game. He inserts in a bunch of different places. He he literally does everything. He's fantastic. I think he's the best defensive player that OU's played all season. He was the best defensive player they played last season, and that includes your defense player of the year and Rose and all the great safeties that we've seen. And I think he's he's just as good or better this year. Okay, so so watching Baylor's defense over the last week and a half, OU's got some big matchups in this game, in my mind. Uh, the first and probably the most important, Apuika is a massive, mean, strong, 350-pound man in the middle. And Andrew Rame has struggled at times this season. This is a really bad matchup for him. Now, Ika's a really bad matchup for anyone, to be fair. But Rame is young. He still has to develop some more strength, like he's only played a handful of games. And now he's got this guy. Andrew Rame needs to play the best game of his career. In fact, he needs to play the best game of his life because Apu Ika is a grown-ass man in the middle of this Baylor defense. I don't know how else to say it. As I watch him, he is throwing dudes around. He's the size of Haloti Nada. Um, you know, he's he can't run like that, but he's that size and he's strong and like he's just going to go boom right here, grab a guy with two hands, toss him out of the way, and he's going to play those two gaps right there over the center when they get nod all day long, all day long. And whenever they send him to a side, he's going to like totally cave in the offensive line. It, it's going to be it's it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. And if we're able to get the running game going, um, it, if we're not like this is not Texas Tech, Texas Tech, we couldn't run the football. And we said, ah, screw it. We'll just throw it every every snap the rest of the game and have success there. I don't think it's going to be that easy against Baylor. I think you're going to have to be able to run the football with some semblance of success. Now, I don't expect them to go out there and, and pop it for 200 yards. Maybe they do, but I, I would be I would be surprised if that was the case. And that, to me, is going to be where the real struggle is because Caleb Williams is great, but you put Caleb Williams in third and long against a really good zone defense, as you were just talking about, that can pass things off and is really good on crossers, that is a big danger zone for a freshman quarterback. That's pick city. That's interceptions all over the place. If Because if, we haven't played a team that I would consider to be really good at zone coverage yet. Iowa State's always really good, but everyone else just kind of spots spot drops for the most part. They're not truly passing stuff off and relating to guys with really tight windows like you're going to see from Baylor. So that's what worries me. If we can't run the ball and all of a sudden we're in third and long a lot with Caleb Williams because they will, they'll bring pressure and change up the look as well. Yeah. I, the, the one thing I know about Beaton Bo when he's 
you know, when he's coming up with the run schemes for a game, he sees a guy like Ika and his initial reaction is, hey, I'm not going to let that guy wreck the game. He, he's not going to leave Andrew Rame on an island a bunch with that guy. He's just not going to put him in that situation. He's, he's too good of a coach to do that. But I'm worried about the run game, man, because I watched Texas Tech push him around a little bit. They, they struggled getting movement on those guys. These guys are better than the guys from Tech. I mean, they're better than the guys from Tech. So OU's offensive line is going to have to get it going. I mean, bottom line, they are going to have to come off the ball with an attitude and take some pride in moving, a man, moving the man that is lined up in front of them. Because if they can't run it, Caleb Williams is going to make them some mistakes, right? And some people may hear that and go, what do you mean? Chandler Morris just picked them apart. Listen, Chandler Morris made some big boy throws in that game. I mean, fit the ball in some tiny windows. And I'm not saying Caleb Williams isn't capable of doing that. He's more than capable of doing that. I'm just saying he's not capable of doing that 35 times. You have to be able to run the football. And maybe they can't just run by Baylor's defensive backs and just take shots down the field. Maybe they can do that. But I just I think they're too good in zone coverage that if, if you can't run the ball, like OU's offense would find themselves in a bad situation, Ted. I, I don't know how else to say it. Well, you're right. And the big problem, you know, back to what you were talking about with Beatonbow saying he's not going to let that guy wreck the game, so he's going to give help. If you're helping, what are you not doing? You're not climbing to backers. And they got two badass backers. They're both good. Doyle and Bernard are two upper echelon linebackers in this conference that are fast, that tackle well, that come downhill, that are smart guys. So that's the give and take. You know, if you're staying on a double for extra long or not even climbing, you know, those backers can make you pay in the running game. So it's going to be fun, man. I, I I think this... Our offensive line, tight ends, backs against their front seven and include uh, Petrie, the nickel, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the run and the pass because, like you said, our backs, they're going to be in protection against those linebackers blitzing, and they bring it. They're going to be in protection against Petrie, who's coming off the edge, and he brings it. So it's it's a big day for those for that group. Kennedy Brooks. And Eric Gray, right? Remember earlier in the year, we were pretty critical of their blitz pickup skills. They are going to get tested over and over and over and over and over in this game. Dave Aranda is going to dial up pressure. And what they do from a pressure standpoint is interesting because, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, hey, we're bringing one, but we're dropping one with what they do. But it's going to be the inside backers on the running backs. It's going to be Petrie on the running backs. And, and one of the things they did last year, and they hadn't really shown it hardly at all, if my memory serves me correctly, they brought some zero last year. They have not done hardly any of that this year. They've done a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if Aranda sprinkles some of that in, says, all right, Caleb Williams, make some quick decisions with the football. You know, we've seen him – 
although he got better against Texas Tech with it, you know, going through his progressions, processing things, it's it's tough. It's tough if all of a sudden, you know, your your offense is struggling to run the ball and the defense starts bringing some zero. You're on the road, like it, it's not easy. So, man, it's going to be. I, I'm not only interested to see if they're going to be able to run the football. I'm I'm interested to see what kind of game Aranda is going to call from a defensive perspective. I think it'll have a whole lot to do with what his offense is doing. You know, if if his offense is having success running the football and moving it, I think that he's probably going to be fairly conservative. If they're getting stoned and they're not able to, he's going to have to try and create something somehow and may have to be forced to take some chances defensively. And maybe it's the opposite of that. Maybe it's if they're scoring, he he's like, okay, I feel confident that we're going to con- continue to put some points up. Let's try and create a turnover here and bring, bring some chaos into the backfield. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fascinating. All right, let's get to our call your shot. We asked you guys, what'd you think of OU still being number eight in the college football playoff rankings? Uh, this first one comes from our man at Alvin Mack 55 on Twitter. He says, if Oklahoma beats Baylor this weekend, they'll have a quote quality win and will be ranked ahead of both Michigan schools next week. Um, I don't know. Michigan's got Penn State this weekend. Yeah, I, I hope I, 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 I think that's the case because what their strength of schedule is 125 right now. You know, as soon as you play a, a number 12 Baylor, I think it's going to get uh, a lot better really quickly. And you would think if if we if we handle business and go on the road and have a win like that, that we would get credit for it. But at this point, I I honestly I don't know what to expect. I fully think it's just theater right now that there is no rhyme or reason to anything. It's only to get conversation going and to get people all pissed off. I mean, there, why would you put Michigan State behind Michigan? I mean, we could talk about it all day. It's, I, I think it's honestly, I just think it's theater. And by the way, uh, Alvin Mack, appreciate it. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to play linebackers because of you whenever you were on the program. Oh, there you go. Uh, this other one comes from the Hominy Husher. I, I assume that's a nickname. I assume his name isn't actually Hominy Husher. Maybe it is. Maybe no, it, it is, is. Hominy. No, that's is that his real is. name? Yeah, he um, he plays for the Cardinals now. He played for Tulsa. Uh, it's uh, Zavin Collins. He's the Hominy Husher. The Hominy Husher. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Yeah, pre- appreciate you, Zavin. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for tuning in. Uh, but, okay, I, I'm not sure this is Zavin Collins. Doesn't look like him in the picture, <laughs> but you know what? It, it He says, maybe it is Zavin. He says, I actually think they got it right. Have to prove ourselves to show we belong in CFP consideration. However, they fumbled when putting Michigan over Michigan State. So our man, the Hominy Husher or Hominy Husher, I don't, is that his name or is that a nickname? It's got to be a nickname, right? It's a nickname. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, there's some legitimacy to it. Oklahoma has played a not good schedule and in a big percentage of those games, they didn't look great. So, yeah, you're undefeated, and you should be given marks for that. And they keep telling us, like, that's why you're ranked eight, is because you're undefeated. Gee, thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. Thanks for throwing us a bone there. But 
it will all play itself out. It will all play itself out. Yep. All right. Now it's time for birthday shout outs. Here's yes. where they are, Ted. Here we go. Happy first birthday to Lincoln Benson. This family, his parents, they were sending us pictures and everything like, hey, Lincoln, wish him a happy birthday. So there it is, Lincoln Benson. Happy first birthday. Happy 63rd birthday to Todd Powell. Happy birthday, Todd. Happy birthday, Todd. It was a gift, Todd. I'm keeping it. <laughs> happy 53rd birthday to Fort Gibson legend, David Lyons. How about that? The Fort Gibson legend. You got to love it, Mr. Lyons. Happy birthday. And happy birthday to Gavin Fluke and Betsy Coffee. Betsy's husband made a Twitter just to ask us to wish her a happy birthday. So that's dedication. He's locked in now. He'll be into conspiracy theories in no time. Oh, there's no doubt. Wait till he gets the layman <laughs> conspiracy theories in his brain. All right, let's get to the OU Baylor preview with David Smoke. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card giveaway each week. So this is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's $25 gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Love's on your way to the OU game this weekend, and make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Love's Twitter account. We'll contact you if you are the winner. It is pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered, covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution Based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is. Here's David Smoke. It is our pleasure to be joined by the man over at Sikkim 365 Radio. No one covers the Baylor Bears better than this man. David Smoke is in the house. Smokey, what's going on, man? I'm on a Zoom with two guys who played college football, and you're telling me that I'm the man? I don't know about that. I I, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. I'm doing well, doing really, really well. It's been a tough week after that loss in Fort Worth for Baylor, but and then Joey McGuire leaving, but I think everything's okay. The world will – the sun comes up tomorrow. Now, I, I know you had – you had a really close relationship to Joey McGuire. Obviously, he's, he's taken over there at Texas Tech, but – you know, does that have any type of impact on this Baylor team, this game against the Sooners this weekend, you think? Or is it just kind of, hey, congratulations to Coach McGuire? I'm wondering if maybe it had 
possibly an impact even last week. And that's not to take away what Chandler Morris did. And we know how good, how amazing he was. I asked Joey that today, though. I did ask if he thought that maybe some of the rumblings late in the week had any impact on his defense or the defense position he coaches, linebackers. And he said, though, they've been very upfront about it. Dave Aran has been very upfront about it rather than the behind the doors, that kind of thing. He let, they, they let everyone know the, what was going on. You know, it's either, either they get, you know, their lips down and their pout after getting beat up, uh, especially on defense, or are they going to get beat up again? And I, maybe there's an emotional surge because that story is kind of one of those where you want to still say, I can still play no matter who our coach is. Maybe like TCU did, it's a different animal because he's the head coach in Gary Patterson. You know, it's going to affect him a little bit with maybe recruiting. They've already had a player decommit that's out near Lubbock, a high school player from post high school, four-star linebacker. Now, there's a couple of other guys that might wobble, but I don't know if it affects too much what happens in mid-December when it comes to the signing class with the early signing period. There might be one or two of an attrition. I mean, Joey's got a job to do. It's try to find the best talent for now his program at Texas Tech. I, I felt like the the TCU game was kind of like the perfect storm. You know, you had a TCU team that uh, just lost their head coach. Um, you know, you Chandler Morris, who I think is a great player, but a lot of people don't know much about him. But he's he's really good. We got to see him here at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the college football playoff stuff come out. You have Oklahoma uh, lurking the next week. Uh, some of the stuff going on there with with McGuire. It felt like maybe it was the perfect storm with a bunch of different things swirling around, and maybe that affected their performance. Because I got to tell you, I've been watching this Baylor team all year. I really like what I see offensively, defensively. It's a really good all-around football team. And I was watching, I'm like, this isn't the Baylor I've been watching all year. Yeah, they picked him apart. The defense, uh, they played a lot of zone, as you know, early on. And then he just was, what he did on third down, converting. But you're right, as far as the perfect storm, we asked that. Asked Dave Miranda that. I had a chance to sit out with him about the uh, so-called, is this one of those trap games? You hear that. You guys played the game at a certain level, so you would know if that, in fact, comes into play. Coming off what was a nice stretch for them. You know, they had just beaten Texas and the emotions of that and coming back from down 21-10, and they look really good doing it. And they'd kind of been, you know, feeling pretty good. Now, they had said the loss to Oklahoma State was their wake-up call. And then all of a sudden, you may have heard that a little bit on Saturday. Well, you, you know, you can't you can't wipe out the post-game clubhouse buffet line more than once as a manager the second time you do it, it may not get the attention, as you guys know, as an analogy. It might have been. I, I'm not, I still think TCU just played out of their minds. I think Baylor kind of gave them a chance, a little hope early on. It was 7 nothing. They recover a fumble, have the ball inside TCU's 40, 45-yard line, and they come away empty. Here come the Horned Frogs. You put something in there on that second drive, 10 nothing, 14 nothing. who knows? They might have popped their emotional balloon. But the defense was just humiliated. And a lot of it, maybe they weren't really sure about Chandler Moore's. Now, Joey Meyer, Joey McGuire, in fact, knew of him. Good Chad and, you know, covers and recruited him, uh, I'm sure, or knows about him. So, yeah, he's, he's Duggan is pretty good, but he could be erratic. And Morris, I don't think he ever had like a bad play in that game. I, I think every single time they needed him to make a throw or a play, he made it. There's a couple he got away with. But that, I think last, you, that one late, he oh, got away with in the end was, zone. Yeah, he did. That ball could have been a pick six if 
if the defensive back catches it at the high point. There was another one where he's throwing it as he's going down. It had a little Johnny Manziel to him in that game, you know, just crazy. He was really, really good. I'm happy for him because I know he's been patient, like Tanner Mordecai at SMU. And uh, I was happy for Tanner, I mean, uh, for, for Tanner, but also for Chandler. He had a chance to show who he is. Trap game, I, I think maybe that way. I, I kept saying no. You know, you're, they're rolling. The defense travels. It didn't Saturday. There's no question about it. Let's let's talk a little more about that defense, Smokey, because I, I think they're going to be all kinds of pissed off with the way that they played against TCU, and, and they're going to want to prove that that is not who they are. And for me, I, I know that they got some really good players at the second level and in the secondary. And in fact, Jalen Petrie may be my favorite player in the Big 12 Conference, mm -hmm. but great defenses all start with a good defensive line, right? And what have you seen from this defensive line this season, uh, led by Apu Ika and Gabe Hall, Cole Maxwell, those guys playing along the line of scrimmage for him? They have been really tough. Now, Brees Hall got them a couple of times, and, you know, they shut Bijan Robinson down. I mean, he had 16 or 17 carries, 42 yards or whatever. What they did is they decided they were going to go big. They were going to go big, and they've got some dudes, as you mentioned, and, and Ika inside giving them that that – that that fire hydrant type nose tackle and and i think why and aranda said this or on monday in his press conference he said you know we've been so focused on what we can do stopping the run and going big that perhaps we felt and they could see it coming that it could hurt them maybe getting to the quarterback with their defensive line they would bring terrell bernard who's spectacular and jalen petrie spectacular and they got to Chandler Morris a couple of times, but they never could get wrap him up or they couldn't quite get to him on time. And so then that leaves something else open. But I do think – so I don't know if they're going to be able to tweak that this week, if they could do it that quickly. But, yeah, I think that they admitted – I think Dave Aranda admitted, he took it on himself, that they've been going so big to stop the run that perhaps they lost some of that ability to get to the quarterback. On occasion, you'll see Cole Maxwell or Ika or someone like that make a player, Gabe Hall or whoever, but that, that kind of, you know, if you look back at that game, I bet, and this is part of it, it's a game of inches and seconds. I bet there were eight to 12 times they were right there, but too late, right there, but too late. And, you know, one time strip sack or a fumble or a sack or a third down, they don't convert who knows what happens, but I think that might be something to watch this week, uh, uh, Teddy and, and, and Gabe, because, Maybe they do try to go a little bit, not so much smaller, but maybe they mix it up a little bit. Who's in uh, at the defensive line? Of course, with Oklahoma and Kennedy Brooks, you know, he's going to pound at you. So you got to be careful with that. So I don't know, but that might be something to watch this week. How about the secondary? You know, um, Oklahoma over the last, really since Lincoln Riley got here as a coordinator, we've been so tied to the run. We've been, really 60-40 run as a football team. And against Tech, couldn't run it early, and we just went to the passing game, almost just totally abandoned the run and said we're just going to throw it around the yard. And I feel like that may be the case against Baylor. It's going to be tough. I think the front seven's really the strength of that, of that defense. I know Tejada's been there forever. He's a good player for him, a senior. And Petrie's really good, but you look at what, what Morris did through for over four bills. Baylor had some success on some, or excuse me, uh, BYU had some success on some, mm -hmm. some passing plays. 
Is that going to be the difference here, whether or not you guys can cover downfield? Yeah, I think so. Against Brigham Young, you're right. They hit him a couple of times. There was Nakua, the wide receiver. He's really good. He's a big kid, too. Uh, he's he's a big physical receiver. Uh, Tejada's given up a couple, uh, and and so have others. Uh, they, they've rotated. They've got uh, Al Walcott. He's pretty good. He's a transfer who's been good for them, big physical corner. But they did give up. You know, they gave up the long throw. Uh, to Worthy, uh, you know, of course, you guys know about that. Uh, he's going to get loose every once in a while. And then there was one throw, and I think it was in the first half, when uh, Casey Thompson had Worthy open, and I think they were up 7-10. to 10. He was wide open, and he overthrew him. He kind of threw it out of bounds. He, Someone had slipped, so they have been vulnerable. And even again, Dave Arad has admitted that, you, you, you know, you wish you had 11 or 18 or 22 just great players across the board that you, if you want to commit to stopping the run, you could still shut down the pass. Baylor's going to get some picks. Now, I don't know about Caleb Williams. Maybe he has a, a freshman moment or two as good as he is. They've been able to get interceptions. They, they, uh, they've been able to do that. But they have been vulnerable to that deep throw that, you know, you got to give up something. And, and that has been something that at times, one of the things that they had prevented, uh, I, I think most of the year was if they gave up something, they still never let it go the distance, like 75 yards. I'm not saying they didn't give up a couple of long touchdowns. They did, but they were, they're so, they're a really, they got great speed on defense. I, I can't remember. And I don't think it was Matt Campbell, but somebody early in the year mentioned, we've never seen speed like that. And again, that's saying a lot. But they are incredibly fast. They've chased down Brees Hall. They've been able to chase down a couple of other guys. They've given up big plays, but they would then make people force to get three rather than seven. And that's not what happened against TCU. Yeah, I think it's they have a really good secondary. And I keep saying that, and yet they have been they've been burned a couple of times. And Caleb, we know Williams is going to zing it from all sorts of angles and just the way he throws the football with that archer, how he throws it is incredible. Yeah, okay. Looking at Baylor's offense, Smokey, right? Got to start with Gary Bohannon. And you know, you look at the numbers and you you look at him, okay, okay, yeah, he's been he's been an efficient player in Jeff Grimes' system, but these last couple games, yeah. uh, some costly mistakes from Gary Bohannon. Just uh, what have you seen from him in these last couple of weeks? Because it seems like he's He's having a bit of trouble seeing some stuff from a coverage standpoint. Yeah, I think they've. Uh, I think Texas was able to fool him a couple of times, and Aranda discussed that. That you know, this is what you think it is, and of course, you guys know, uh, you know, that it's part of scheming somebody. And again, an un, he's very. This is his tenth start. You know, he's nine starts. He's he's been around for what three or four years, but he was always brought in as a wildcat guy or short yardage on occasion mop up, and even that 2019 team. They didn't have a lot of mop-up because they didn't bury too many people. You know, it was still a lot of scratch, claw, grind type games. So he's young, and I think people are starting to get more tape on him as well. And that's what's going to be interesting about what we find out with Chandler Morris, you know, as you get more film on him. And even Caleb Williams, as good as he is, you have to run the ball. That's their bread and butter. He has a great arm. He's got a rocket. He's got a, a rocket launcher. He's got a howitzer, whatever you want to say. He can throw it deep, and he's got Taekwon Thornton on occasion. But it's all set up with that wide zone running game and bootlegs, and he's really good about throwing the ball on the run. He's been able to hit tight ends. They're not afraid to have a couple, two or three tight ends. And so, But 
if, if I wanted him to win the game on his own, that would be difficult. Now, one of the things, and again, I'm not a great X's and O's guy. I'm not. I watched the game. But I thought Baylor should have thrown the ball a lot more against TCU. That was the one thing they struggled with. They had one safety. They hit Thornton a couple of times. It was a couple other times they probably could have. And they just kept, they kept trying to run the ball. And they still ran for a lot of yards. But I, 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 you know, I think you might see them air it out a little bit. But it's all about how they set up Bohannon. And like you would any quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady can sit back there and throw it 55 times. But you got to have a semblance of some threat. And, and, and Bohannon's not going to be a guy that you want to see him throwing it 35 or 40 times. He can. You have to run the ball. Abram Smith. And, and then, you know, get Ebner loose on a couple of occasions as well. He's better. But he has coughed it up. Two bad picks against Texas. One of them could have really cost him early. And even in the second half, right over the middle. So he might be in a little bit of a, wait a minute, what am I seeing here? But I like the way he bounced back against Texas. Despite those two bad picks, he really, really was good in the last quarter or half of that game and brought the, and helped them come back in that game. That running game. I, you're right. It's fantastic. What are they right, right around 230 yards a game? Something uh-huh. like that. It, yeah. It's, it's really good. Now I think that's, that's kind of the difference. You look last year's football game between these two and this, the score doesn't really tell the story of how close that game was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, defensively the scheme was excellent from Baylor. I think they made us three and out punt four times in a row in the first half, and you just don't see that from Lincoln Riley offenses. So now you add in the running game to the mix on the offense. Last year, the offense for Baylor was, you know, it just just wasn't any good. Now you've got a a quarterback that's throwing it. Uh, You've got the zone, a boot game. Do you feel like there's going to be some carryover from last year and maybe try and play that type of game where, you know, it's it's led by the defense, but – Running game, you'll lean on that heavily to try and limit those possessions from Oklahoma. You know, last year was shocking because that was a bad football team. I mean, Baylor, they weren't bad on defense, but two and seven, the offense, as you said, you could have you could have used a lot of ways to describe they were terrible. They had like 700 yards of total rushing yards all year long. And that Charlie Brewer led the team with just over 200 yards. And most of the time that was running for his life. Yeah, that was what they did. They kept them. They, they shut them down. They. And you got to wonder if Lincoln Riley didn't take that personally for this week as well. So to me, you know, you hear about complimentary football, run the ball. You have a good defense, win the field position. Their special teams have been fantastic this year. Power, the punter, although he's a little bit off last week, the kicking game with Hankins has been solid. They keep touchbacks all the time. I mean, the coverage teams have been good. Then you have the Ebner factor. I think for Baylor, you want to run the ball, control part of the clock. If you can get some three and outs or at least maybe a couple of times when they get a first down and you make Oklahoma punt uh, and then get one big play on special teams, kick a couple of field goals because of special teams. Next thing you know, you're right there in the middle of it. You know, two years ago, who can ever forget that? 2019, what was it? 28 to three and Oklahoma got the score right at the end of the half. And then, then they got the strip, they scored, and then they got the they stripped the ball from Hasty, and you could feel that Oklahoma pedigree, man. You could you you know you could just see it happening. And even then, it was an incredible game till Charlie threw the pick at the end of the game, which kind of reminded me of the TCU game with Bohannon last week. 
I do think you could have carryover. I, I don't think there's any question about it because a lot of the guys on this defense were there last year. So they know, and I, I kept waiting. Like It's almost like in some ways, guys, the way Oklahoma's been on offense a couple of times or maybe more often than not this year, Like I kept waiting for them to explode against Baylor, and they just couldn't, and they didn't. And that game was a winnable game for Baylor. I, I think there is carryover, and I think Baylor will try to they'll, – they'll, they'll mix a few things up. And I think their defensive line at Baylor this year is better, much better than they were last year. They had a lot of guys miss time, COVID, protocol, whatever, injuries. I think their defensive front's better this year. I agree with that for sure. Smokey, what, what kind of atmosphere are you expecting for this game? Because the game, it feels like it's lost. Yeah, Some of its sizzle, right? And now all of a sudden it's at 11 a.m. Like when we went down there a couple of years ago, it was game day. It was rocking in that first half. Are, are you expecting kind of a rowdy atmosphere or could it be a little, little sleepy at 11 a.m. and wake up? You know, uh, I and I know sometimes Baylor fans get frustrated when I say this. You know, they don't have a 40,000 enrollment. They don't have even, what, 30. And Oklahoma doesn't have, like, the Wisconsin or whatever enrollment either. But we understand that fan base. That's 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 it in, in Oklahoma, kind of like in Lincoln and, and a few other places. The Baylor crowd can sometimes surprise you at a game where you wonder. They, they seem like – and I know we've heard about this with OU, about those 11 o'clock kicks and how frustrated it can be or whatever. Show up. It's Oklahoma, for God's sakes. It's a chance to get right back in the race to get into the Big 12 championship game. But there's always – it's too early. It's too late. It's too hot. It's like the sun's in our face. And, I mean, sometimes I get the – some people get really – they get angry with me when I say that. And they're like, wait a minute, it's not hot like in somewhere else? Sure it is. I, I would – I don't know. I wish I could tell you that. It's, it's, I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise me. You know, they have that line, that freshman line that comes on the field. They changed a couple of things up with that this year. And, and that's a pretty cool deal where they race onto the field. There's usually a couple of thousand or so, it seems like to me. I, I don't know. You would think coming off a loss and still have a chance to play for the Big 12 title, that that place would be locked. I will, you know, there'll be a lot of crimson. Right. There's going to be a chunk of them like there was a big chunk of Brigham Young and there were scattered Texas fans as well. I don't know if this is a fan base. They get behind this team a lot, but I don't know if they get behind it like this week, 11 o'clock and it's 49 or 50,000 people. I don't know that. I wish I could tell you that because I thought sometimes it would be. And I'm like, where is everybody? And then sometimes I thought, well, they'll probably, you know, be whatever upset, you know, it's like, why are the fans are upset this week? They lost to an outside linebackers coach, very popular guy, a beloved coach. They got beat by TCU. Get engaged. I don't, I can't tell you whether that's the case or not. And if they were to listen to me on this, it wouldn't make one of them go or not. They they probably, you know, complained to me. <laughs> I, 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 I did this and I, I got my, get myself in this. And I know you guys, it's hard for you to understand that in Norman or in Tuscaloosa or at College Station, it's, this fan base has been through a lot, man. I mean, they have been through some dark clouds. They've seen the rise out of the ashes, and then they've been back down in the dumpster fire. And then they saw what Rule did, and that team was tough as hell. And they got back, and then he leaves. So they've kind of been bounced around a little bit. Um, 
And, and so I, I think you'll see a pretty good crowd, but I, the Texas game wasn't sold out. Now, sometimes Texas helps with that, but it wasn't sold out. I don't know how many of the games this year have been sold out. And I see that if it's Texas Southern or whoever else, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I think they're all kind of, their lips are on the ground right now after TCU and Joey McGuire, and maybe they'll surprise me on Saturday. I'll tell you, honestly, one of the most shocking things I've ever seen was 2019, that game in Baylor, an absolute classic where uh, Baylor, frankly, should have won that game. Yeah. But it was an unbelievable game. We got a rematch not very long after in Jerry's world. Right up the street, I was like, man, they're going to be a chance to win the Big 12 against Oklahoma. That place is going to be insane. There was no one there. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's a small – and I, I, I can criticize them, and then I'm told, well, yeah, but you're not from here. You know, again, okay, so what? I went to Stephen F. Boston. I, I don't care. But, you know, it's not a very big school. The students aren't all focused on athletics. It's a different type of – maybe mentality of student. That doesn't mean there's not some rowdy students. There are. Um, And the fan base, they will travel. Like in Indianapolis, I was up there for 13 days last back in April, March and April. And I mean, they, they, whoever could get into the stadium to watch the the semifinals and championship game. I've seen them against Duke in basketball in 2010, where they loaded up huge crowd down in Houston. I've seen them at other places where they've traveled. And then I've seen them. It's just like, I, I, you know, they have the money. I mean, it's, it's a fan base that's, that's got some money. But at the same time, there's just not – there's not hundreds of thousands like you would have in certain places. And that's unfortunate. Although, Teddy, what you said is, yeah, two weeks later, you had a dead to rights. You didn't finish it, but you have a chance to go back and beat them in two weeks. And, you, you know, it's kind of scattered. I don't know. It's hard to explain sometimes. And they do get so frustrated with me. And I swore, I've sworn this many, I know I'm going on. I've sworn I'm not going to get into the attendance thing. I'm not going to get into my, you know, it's it's not my school. I don't live and die. I mean, we want as a business for them, you know, they're good. We want that, right? You want, but I didn't attend the school. And I'm sometimes I feel like I'm more emotional about it just because I want to see a big game atmosphere than those who probably are fans. I can tell you're frustrated about it, Smokey. <laughs> hey, one more and we'll let you run. Man, you you do have a Heisman Trophy vote. So I always, every time I talk to you, I kind of like to get your thoughts, kind of where your head is at. Maybe who is, you know, kind of catching your eye up to this point in the season when it comes to the Heisman. And is it possible for a certain freshman in Norman <laughs> to possibly – uh make his way on your ballot if he puts together a good November. Isn't that amazing that he might be the best player in college football and he started like three games or whatever it might be. I, the second half alone against Texas could almost win him the Heisman trophy. I I'll say this, you know, I, I like the Pittsburgh quarterback and Kenny Pickett. He's put up massive numbers, but they had a loss. I think the other day, and I don't know what they're going to do. And then all of a sudden Kenneth Walker, the third, he goes off, and I'm like, wow, I had a monster game against Michigan, and then they're beaten last week. Uh, Bryce Young putting up big numbers, you know, obviously. But Alabama hasn't been, like, steamrolling everybody. I mean, they've shown from flaws, too. I mean, LSU had the ball at the 50, you know, late in the game and a couple of times, and they didn't finish him off. 
the defensive lineman is at Davis at, at Georgia, and I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I I'm telling you right now, and I'm not just saying that to appease defensive players. I love the guy. He's that good. I I still think Indominus Sue should have won the Heisman Trophy back in 2009. Now I understand Alabama was good. I think Ingram won it. Uh, Colt McCoy had a great year that year as well. Uh, I don't have one right. I like I if I did, and I know what sometimes we're not allowed to discuss it. I would not mind telling you, but can a freshman win it who starts half their games? I'm not against that. I, I want to see. I'm going to get to see him firsthand. I've seen him on television. I get to watch him from the press box firsthand. I'll be watching, and and uh, that's not the only game that's going to make a difference. They're about to hit their three toughest games of the year. Now I know Texas is a rivalry. You know, you have Iowa State, and then that Oklahoma State defense is playing so well, like a sledgehammer. It'll be – I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not saying it because I'm on a, a show with you guys and I know your fan base. I'm not saying that you know me. I'm not going to say something for clicks and views. But I don't see why not. I really don't. I don't see why not. Love it. Smokey, it's always fun catching up, man. We'll see you down there in Waco. You are the best. Go check all this stuff out at Sikkim 365 Radio. Thank you for your time, sir. Anytime, guys. Teddy, Gabe, thank you guys very much. We'll see you Saturday. Smokey's the man. I don't know what else to say. He's a man. Central Texas legend right there. He does a great job, man. Really does. I thought what he said about the Heisman was pretty interesting. Yeah. No, it is. And, hey, uh, he mentioned Jordan Davis in there. (laughs) I don't know that there's a better player in college football. I, it, it's a weird year. He's not going to win it, but it's one of those years where there's no, it, it's so like mixed up and, and no one's grabbed a hold of it that even a guy like Jordan Davis's name is all of a sudden getting thrown around. If, if I were to put, and I do not have a Heisman vote, if I were to vote for a defensive player right now, it'd be Will Anderson from Bama. That dude's an absolute yep. problem. He's got, well, the production isn't even close between he and Jordan Davis. The problem is, well, you know, Jordan Davis, they just like totally try to avoid him at all costs on the field. It's like, it's almost like there's a black hole over there and they're doing everything they can to go away from it. Just like, let's get away from that guy. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize program programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, it's daylight savings time, so you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. 
All right, National College Football Roundup. Some good games this weekend. Let's start with TCU traveling to Stillwater to take on the number 10 Oklahoma State Cowboys. And Oklahoma State's like a 13-point favorite. Ted, did the odds makers not see Chandler Morris pick Baylor apart? What's going on with that? I think the odds makers feel like that was um, a bit of lightning in a bottle. Perhaps there were Chandler Morris, which I think there's probably some truth to that. You know, um, not really knowing who they were going to get, probably caught Baylor by surprise a little bit. There was, uh, you know, a lot of chaos going on between both football teams there and coaching staffs. So I think it was kind of the perfect storm there, but. He's a good football player. We've seen that from him. We know how athletic he is. He's got a big arm, uh, but that Oklahoma State defense is for real. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And you you look at you look at what TCU did against Baylor. They couldn't run the ball, right? And it didn't matter. Chandler Morris was fitting the ball in tiny windows. He he was bold in that game and hmm. had no hesitation. Those were some big boy throws, and did it all while Bra- Baylor was bringing pressure at him. I mean, they were heating him up, and he was just making them pay. I think Oklahoma State's winning this game. I, I, I just think that their defense is playing at an extremely high level right now, and Spencer Sanders is he's playing way more efficiently than what we've seen from him in the past, and he's, he's taking care of the football in these last couple games. Uh, the run game with Jalen Warren is still solid. Tay Martin has become an absolute assassin in the red zone, but it's all about that defense. I just, uh, I, I trust the Oklahoma State defense more than I trust any other unit in the Big 12 Conference. I, I think they're playing really damn good football, man. Yeah, they're in that spot where, you know, they're playing so good defensively that, they're in that zone where they're looking at every single point. They're looking at every single yard. Like every little bit of that means something. Like a, a lot of times you get stuck in this, this groove defensively. It's like, let's go out there and just try not to give up touchdowns. Like they're not in that zone anymore. Like that is, you know, that's, that's beginning of the season. They're into the absolutely choke you out not let you get any yards, not let you get any points. And whenever you get the whole defense to tie into that mentality, uh, special stuff happens. You're seeing that with Georgia right now. They're, they've been pissed off whenever people are, are getting, getting points thrown up on them. So uh, it's a fun group to watch, man. They fly to the football. They tackle well. they got great leadership there in the middle from Rodriguez. Uh, they can get after the passer. It's a good total group that's experienced that veteran they understand they know how to communicate they're doing really well yeah but i will say the game is way more intriguing now after seeing chandler morris last week like hey find quentin johnston smart guy well they yes smart guy but they also haven't faced a quarterback that's as mobile as chandler morris yeah i mean he what he had like 70 yards rushing had that big touchdown Yep. Against Baylor. I mean, at the end of the game, he got out of that tackle by Petrie on that option play. Uh, he was hogtied in the backfield and somehow got out of that and converted a big first down. I couldn't believe our boy Petrie missed that tackle. I know. I was I, I was, was stunned. Stunned. Okay, uh, next game. 
Texas A&M at Ole Miss is a good one, but both of those teams are behind OU in the rankings, Ted. So I wanted to talk about number six, Michigan, going to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. And I don't know what I'm missing, man, because this game is a pickup. And I know Penn State's a talented team, but Michigan coming off a win over Indiana, not super impressive, but they controlled the entire football game. And Penn State's coming off a win against Maryland that if you just look at the final score, you're like, oh, okay, but the game was tied in the fourth quarter. It was tied. So it it just seems to me like Michigan's the more complete football team. Now, I won't be surprised, I guess, if Cade McNamara makes some terrible mistakes with the football and Michigan loses this game, but I just don't think Penn State is going to be able to run the ball on Michigan's defense at all. And Penn State's running game has struggled and struggled this season. And I know Jahan Dotson was incredible against Maryland. What, it was like 250 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it was insane. But I can't imagine he is able to do that again against Michigan, especially they're going to be – their number one goal defensively is going to be like, hey, don't let that guy beat us. I know this feels like a game that Jim Harbaugh would lose in the past. In the past, but I, I'm torn on this one because like everything for me points to Michigan winning this football game, but I, I clearly it's it's closer than I think. It's really not though. This Michigan is basically guaranteed to win this thing. We know what happens. Michigan's major disappointment is going to come against Ohio State. That's that's what it is. You've got it right there. We're going to the playoff. This is it. We got it. Come on. And no, Ohio State. Uh, when's the last time they beat Ohio State? Like 2003, something crazy like that. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Maybe it's not that long, but uh, it's rare. That's where the disappointment comes. I'm with you. I think Michigan, uh, what does it look like when Michigan dominates a game 17-10? I, you know, I don't know, but. Uh, I think Michigan is able to control this football game and get the win. Yeah, I just I, I think they're going to have more success running the ball with Haskins than Penn State. Like it, it's hard to win a game against a solid team, especially what like I don't know if a lot of people have watched Aiden Hutchinson. The guy's going to be a first a round piece. draft pick. He's fantastic. Like he's going to be a problem for Sean Clifford if he's got to drop back forty something times. Like he, he is. So I yeah. I don't know just. Maybe this is one I saw the line and I was like, pick them. What? I, I don't know. Now, maybe Pitt State rolls them. And I'll just be like, oh, I'm just an idiot. Okay, there we go. But okay, this last thing. So I wanted to propose a question to you. So Georgia's got Tennessee and Knoxville on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Ohio State has Purdue in Columbus. Both are favored by 20. Who do you think? Should, first of all, should either Georgia or Ohio State be on upset alert? If not, who do you think should be more concerned? It's got to be Ohio State with Purdue, right? I mean, Purdue's kind of doing that thing this year where they're coming in and and chopping people's legs out from under them. So I would say say Ohio State. Ohio State has a good offense, but – you know, well, they've been great most of the time, but there's been some struggles in there. 
Um, their defense has looked better recently, but there's been some struggles in there. Georgia, and I like Tennessee's offense, I do, but Georgia, they have, in 2021, which is crazy, they have one of the best defenses ever is how good they're playing right now. So when your defense is, is that locked in, I would say that the upset alert probably not happening. I will make a bold prediction. Hendon Hooker in that Tennessee offense will score 20 points. 20? 20. 2-0. Now, you I don't know, think they're going to get close to winning the game. I didn't end it. Hey, remember, garbage time still counts. That's true. Hey, if Tennessee scores two touchdowns, 14 points, more than anyone has scored on Georgia all year, I think you carry Josh Heupel off the field. Hey, Tennessee's offense went through Kentucky's defense, who's not terrible, right? Yeah. They went through Kentucky's defense like a hot knife through butter last weekend. I mean, the efficiency, like, it was insane. The yards per play, like, all the advanced metrics on what they did offensively were just absurd. I'm just saying. Don't be surprised if that offense puts up a few points. It's not like they're going to score 40. I'm not saying that. I think they can get to 20. 20 is a big number. Uh, yeah, it is. That's, that's I know. It's a bold prediction, bud. Here's the thing. I, I, I say that if you score 14 points against Georgia, I don't care if it's the first quarter. I don't care if it's the fourth quarter. I don't care when it is. Coaches drop the headsets. Players start walking out, go shake hands. We're out of here, guys. We scored our 14. We're done. Just leave. Just walk off after that. It's it's like the Elam ending for basketball. Yeah. Like if you if you score 20 points on Georgia, you actually win. Like you get to that That's number. It. Game over, yep. boys. That's it. We're done here. Uh, it's even if it's 54 to to 14, it doesn't matter. Job well done. If they get to 20, which I'll tell you, man, I think Hype's done a great job. That offense is great. Uh, Hinton Hooker, most people don't even know who he is, was 21 touchdowns, two or three interceptions right now, playing fantastic football for Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And that's why I said they're going to score 20. I said it. Now they watch him, watch him get shut out, and I'll be like, well, damn it. But Well, it wouldn't be surprising, and it wouldn't necessarily be that big of a knock to Tennessee. You know, you could still say they got a good offense. Yeah, that's true. And now, hey, as far as the Purdue-Ohio State game, if Ohio State's red zone woes continue, I mean, with the way that Aiden O'Connell has played lately, obviously David Bell, one of the best wide receivers in all of college football, like if, if Ohio State continues to kick field goals and not score touchdowns, they are going to be in a battle against Purdue. So they got to figure those red zone issues out, man. They got to be able to run the ball into the end zone. I, yeah. I don't understand what's going on with them from, from that standpoint, but I, I think both of those games could, I, I'm hoping they're a little more interesting than people may think they're going to be. It's college football. There's going to be something happen this weekend that is shocking that people didn't expect. Yeah. All right. Let's get to, I would, let, let's wet the beak a little bit, but first, uh, concussions are part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety surfacing, and spend more time enjoying your outdoor pool parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft rock OKC specializes in custom 
slip resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Softrock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right. Browns, Patriots in New England, Foxborough, Massachusetts, to be exact. Patriots are favored by one and a half. And this is a battle of five and four teams. Browns coming off the beatdown of the Bengals where they made all the explosive plays offensively, defensively, and they made Joe Burrow look bad. And I, we thought it could possibly be an addition by subtraction situation with Odell Beckham Jr. No longer part of the team. And man, did it appear to be the case, Ted. So one thing with the Browns, it seems like things, when they start going well for them, just something's got to happen. Right. And you've got Nick Chubb testing positive for COVID this week. Now, it sounds like he was vaccinated. He has the possibility of, you know, negative testing out of that. But what we'll see. And then Ted, quietly, your your Patriots, what, won four of their last five? Only loss coming in overtime against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones appears to be playing the best of all the rookie quarterbacks. Fits that system well. Your Patriots, they seem to have have figured some things out, man. Consensus seems to be out there on the street that the Patriots are the new Super Bowl favorite um, with the way that they're playing right now. Yeah, here's the thing, man. Uh, New England's getting it together. Cleveland, Baker, he looked good. Looked good against Cincy. Uh, Chubb not playing. If he if he doesn't play, that's going to be a big deal for him. I just don't know that they can stop Mac Jones. What's going on here with this kid? He looks great. Patriots are starting to get into a groove. They're back, baby. I'm sorry to Baker and the Browns. A minor setback this week, but the Patriots win this thing. Mm. The, the, there is an interesting running back situation with them, though. Uh, I think... As we're recording this, Damian Harris and our our guy, Ramondre Stevenson, both still in the concussion protocol, I believe. So I I just don't – I don't anticipate New England's defense being able to confuse Baker the way that they confused Sam Darnold 
last week in that game. My gosh. But I, I do think both defenses are really solid, and th- this is going to be a a pretty low-scoring game. But I, I'm with you, man. I kind of I kind of feel like it, it's the Patriots, and hell, maybe Mac Jones will grab somebody else's ankle in this one. You know, you never know. But hey, that's the only way to stop Miles Garrett, man. Just snap that sucker. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and there could be some drama late. But it ends up being a, a, a fairly secure victory for the Patriots, 23-17. Ooh, I like that. I like that. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. Oh, that's the fancy corn. It's made from blue corn. That's the (laughs) fancy corn. And that is why it's won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconiesDistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? My winner of the week are those NBA fans out there that wanted to see a death match between the Jokic brothers finally and the Morris brothers after the little uh, the the little get together we saw there late in the game from uh, that was a cheap shot by Morris absolute cheap shot on Jokic and you don't do that to the reigning MVP you don't do that he's he's a big scary man. You, you don't do that. And I kind of loved Jokic's reaction, honestly. I kind of thought it was awesome. Uh, that, but that may be the football guy in me. I was like, yeah. I mean, that seems those things seem even. If folks haven't noticed, like, he, he looks, like, big and goofy. But his give-a-ripper is on zero about any of the outcome of anything, like, He's from war-torn Serbia, okay? Uh, he goes in. There was zero hesitation. He went and, you know, threw a cheap shot right back, and there was no retreating. He was ready for whatever came his way. And you, you've seen the Morris brothers on social media tweeting out about some stuff. You saw Jimmy Butler going wild there during the game. Uh, the Jokic brothers up in the stands – that's the real problem. Uh, both brothers, I think they're both about seven foot, tatted up, MMA fighters. Uh, they are fully content with going to prison for the rest of their life uh, defending their little brother. So if, if, you, if you want the smoke, the Jokic brothers will be there for it. All you got to do is tell them the time and place. Strahinya and Nemanja Jokic. I think the older brother's done some time, hasn't he? 
Uh, the the picture of him when you uh, search Jokic brothers is a mugshot of him. So yes, I believe he is. He's definitely uh, he's definitely about that life. And okay, is the have you seen all the stuff on Twitter? Is is that actually the Jokic brothers on that account? There's I don't know. Tweets? I really hope it is, man. Would it surprise you if it was? No. Those dudes have crazy written all over them. Like, listen, I know, hey, the Morris brothers, tough guys, they've had long, successful careers, man. But, dude, those are some crazy white dudes from Serbia. I, like, I don't know about them. I don't want those problems. I love the Jokic brothers. First of all, I think I think Nikola Jokic is one of the best five players in the league right now. I love watching He's him. Great. He's fantastic. He's phenomenal. And his brothers are even better. We love you, Jokic brothers. Just want to make sure that is out. That's out in the world uh, for them to hear in case they ever stumble upon this. I, they, it's going to happen at some point. It almost happened last year in the playoffs against what Phoenix, when there was a little bit of dust up, they were almost out on the floor in that game. And this one, it all happened pretty quickly, but there, there will be a time probably in the not too distant future where they find their way onto the floor. Just, just sell it as one of those like celebrity boxing things, right? With the, the YouTube guys, what are the, the Paul brothers are making a fortune doing that. I would buy the shit out of like a two V two Morris Jokic <laughs> brothers boxing match. Are you kidding me? Let's go. It'd be a bloodbath. I love it. That would be awesome. Oh, they probably make more money off of that than they would, uh, you know, the rest of their careers in basketball. That'd be so awesome. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Loser, Packers, Chiefs, and Saints. Um, All in the mix. But they're all, all in the mix for the wrong thing. That is Odell Beckham Jr. And there's nothing worse for a football team in chemistry than bringing in a guy like Odell midseason. Distraction, distraction, distraction. And frankly, I'll say this. If it wasn't for the one-handed catch that Odell Beckham had, was that against the uh, Cowboys? Like it was on Monday, Monday night, night football. Or, Monday night, Monday or, Sunday night, night or Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable catch. If it's not for that catch, Odell Beckham Jr. is not anywhere near what he is now as far as being well-known. He's had a couple of circus catches. The dude is always hurt. The dude is a always a distraction. And the dude drops the football. He does not secure the football. He's got a, an unbelievable amount of drops. The market for that guy should be zero. He, first of all, look at the memory on us. Sunday night football against the Cowboys. I mean, yeah. nailed it. But I, I suppose, like, if you're, if you're the Saints, right, and you're Sean Payton, right, you, you probably have so much faith in your system, right? And 
let's be real. The Saints, the Saints need an upgrade at wide receiver, right? My, Michael Thomas, Thomas ain't out. coming back. Yep. So, yeah, you look at you look at some of those situations, and I don't know. Could he could he be a guy the Patriots would want? Possibly. Like it, it seems like he you would want him to go somewhere where the culture's the culture. Like, and he's not he's not going to shake that up. But I I also don't know if that's possible. Like Cleveland's one thing, but if you get into you know a locker room, like the Saints have been good for how many years now? I mean, they haven't been winning the Super Bowl every year, but like they've had a ton of success over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So you look at a situation like that, maybe it would work. I don't know. Like he I still think he's an NFL wide receiver. I just don't think he's an all pro player or pro bowl player, or maybe even a you know, you know, top 30 wide receiver in the league. I that's all I'm saying is is the is the risk worth the reward? Right. Like, forget the locker room stuff. He's not going to uh, – prediction, wherever he goes, he won't finish the season. He's not going to finish. He'll have a soft tissue injury and miss time. And he, he hurt and drops. That's not what you want in a wide receiver. You know, so I don't know. He, he He's an athletic dude. That's that's made some great like big play catches, but like just like a down in, down out, hard work football player, wide receiver. I don't know that he makes a difference anywhere he goes. That's why I'm just saying I don't know that that it's worth the risk. Give me give me all the drama with him and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and everything that that you know, I I saw Devontae Adams. He came out and was like, Yeah, we'd love him. Sign him up. So We've been talking about it, yeah. I like. I don't think he's. That's the thing. Is like. I don't think he's an improvement over Lazard. I don't. And you know it. The reason Lazard caught on there and has stayed there is Aaron Rodgers likes him. Yep. Big no, dude, good player, dude. Yeah. yeah. Big physical player, and he's he, he's gotten better as a pro. But you know, I don't know. I sign me up for that drama though. Send him to Green Bay NFL. Let's do it. That's pro- the NFL is probably like. Listen, guys. I know. I none of you guys want him, but one of you three has to pick him up. We need we this is a soap opera. This is entertainment, guys. We've got to throw we gotta throw a wrench into the gears here. Yeah. All right. All right, for my winner of the week. Thought about going with Paul Rudd. He was named People Magazine's sexiest man alive, Ted. Paul Rudd, the dude just hasn't aged, and he's hilarious. He's hilarious. And he looks the same as he did 15 years ago, but he's not the sexiest man alive. The only reason he won sexiest man alive is because he has a movie coming out in like a couple of weeks. Like that's it. There's no other reason. I, I agree. There are physically, uh, there are some sexier men out there, but, being so funny kind of makes you sexy to people, Ted. I'm just gonna like he he's funny as hell to me. I I find him I find him very funny. I find him very funny, but I don't know. It, I I find it hard to believe that when put to the quiz, the women out there would vote him the sexiest man a lot. I just don't think that that's the case. Maybe I'm naive. 
Maybe I'm naive. I I think you're right, but I will say every time I I think of Paul Rudd. Have you ever seen the movie Wonderlust? Jennifer Aniston's in it. Yeah, it's been a long time. Okay. And maybe I think I didn't watch the whole thing. Maybe do me do me a favor uh, when we get done and Google Wonderlust mirror scene. It is uh, like every time I think of Paul Rudd, you'll think he's sexier after watching this scene. <laughs> Ted, every time it is one of my favorite scenes in a comedy ever. Wonderlust mirror scene. You'll okay. you'll find it immediately. It is it's incredible. Okay, but for my winner of the week, I'm going with Texas defensive line coach Bo Davis. Now, I, I'm not sure anybody has increased their popularity more than that man this week. I think he may be voted sexiest man alive if he was on the list. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but somehow some way a video of him laying into Texas's defense on the bus after the Iowa State game got out. Now, the player that filmed that, I assume they sent it to some buddies or something. I don't know how it got on the internet, but whoever did that is a douche and they need to kick him off the team. That just can't happen. You know, some yep. things some things happen w- within a team, within a locker room uh, when you're traveling. It's just it's sacred. It's for it's only for the coaches and the players on the team. That's just it's yep. kind of one of those unwritten codes, Ted. But I'll say this from the video: I detect no lies with what Bo I Davis agree. said. Yep. I mean, and I'll say if you were offended by his language, well, then you're just soft as hell. I don't know what to tell you. Like that's hey, we're we're all adults here, but. This is a guy, he's been part of three national championship teams in different, kind of in different roles, right? He was a strength coach when uh, when one, when he won one of the national championships. He's been an assistant, though, in some capacity. So he knows what it takes, right? He knows what it looks like. And the sense I get from the video, Ted, is that he's yelling at some guys on the bus because... There may have been some laughing or some talking or, or or something going on after they just got embarrassed by Iowa State in the second half of that football game. Now, some people they may say, "Well, well, is it really that serious?" And and the answer is, hell yeah, it is. It is. Listen, when you are when you are invested the way you are supposed to be invested as a college football player. When you lose a game, you are crushed. I mean, distraught. There's no laughing. There's no joking. There's just silence on the bus. And I think, I looked it up earlier. I think I went like 43 and 10 in my career at OU. And you won more games than me, Ted. But every time we lost... It was like someone had died if you were on the bus. Like you would have thought one of the worst things in the world ever had just happened. And maybe it was because of the expectations, but also great teams are led by the players. And the thing that like my takeaway from that is it shouldn't be Bo Davis yelling. If you lose a game the way that Texas lost the game and it drops you to four and five and you got guys playing grab ass on the bus afterwards, you you and I have both known guys like 
there would have been a fight if that would have happened. I mean, yep. if you if you're in a good mood, if you think everything's all good, all funny after a game where you lose, I've been part of teams where guys will fight your ass. A coach isn't handling like that's something that players should handle. Maybe something like that happened and it's just not filmed, but I got I got no problem with what Bo Davis said. I think he's right. I agree. And Texas, they got to find more players that want to be more invested, that that care more, where it means more to them. That's all no I'm doubt. Saying. No doubt. Couple of things. Number one, I think that video, inadvertently from whoever filmed it and put it out there, will do more for the Texas football program positively than any other single moment over the last decade. For the first time, for the first, like, the the fan base has always been on the coaches, the coaching staff, and, yeah, angry at the players, but everyone outside of the program has always said the same thing, right? Texas has a culture issue. They've got a bunch of really good players. Several coaches have recruited really well there, They've beaten Oklahoma in recruiting, I think, seven out of the last 10 years. And they're not anywhere close on the field, okay? So there's a culture problem. This video shines a light directly on it. People got to see inside that, wait a second, you're telling me that our team has lost four straight games? And there's guys laughing and cutting up on the bus after the game. That's what's going on there. That's the first time people have been able to see inside for one of those moments. And all of a sudden, that entire fan base is backing that coaching staff right now. That, okay, it's not the staff. We've got culture issues. we got player issues there with the way that, that things go there in that program. The second thing is this. Trent Smith told me a story. Um, I was talking about this on the show, and, and, and he told me that in 1999, OU went to Lubbock, Texas, and blew a lead and lost to Texas Tech. And after the game, Coach Stoops walked onto the bus, and there were some guys, like, talking and laughing. And he said, Coach, like, what Coach Stoops said at that moment makes this video look like tame, like what he was saying to guys. Um, he said it was it was horrible. What he like just kind of like laying out like what has happened here and what what like it's you know I can see, and he said then the plane broke down. And they all had to ride the bus all the way back from Lubbock to Norman. And, uh, and he said it was like a, a defining moment in, in like Coach Stoops' tenure there is 1999. But w- whenever I showed up, I think it scared everyone on the team so bad that everyone just stopped talking, period. I, night before a game, pregame meal, on the way to the, on the, way to the, the plane to f- travel, Anytime you're on a bus, no one ever said a word. Win, lose, pregame, postgame, didn't matter. I think it scared everyone so bad that no one ever said a word after that for like five years. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, you, you can still have a little fun. And I'm not saying like, listen, I know that 
I know a college football game and the college football season, it's not life or death, but man, it's got to mean something to you. It's and and maybe that's what the issue has been for too many guys that have been wearing the burn orange uh, over the last couple of years. I, I don't the know. First time, like usually you're walking around, you got your you got your Texas warm up on, and it's like, yeah, I'm a part of the team. I'm a superstar. You wear that warm up around Austin right now. It might be like, are you the one that sent the video? Are you the one that filmed that? Who did it? What did you guys say to him? Are you guys going to allow that? I mean, it's got that fan base fired up. And I, like I said, I think it's a good thing for him, unfortunately. Yeah. No, uh, I'm with you. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with the Minnesota Vikings, man. Just a rough week for them. Got some COVID issues, right? Dakota Dozier, who I played in the East-West Shrine game with, uh, hospitalized with COVID complications. I mean, not good, man. They got 29 guys that are getting tested as close contacts. So, You've got that going on, but you also have the Dalvin Cook situation going on, right? Being sued for his ex-girlfriend. Cook says he was actually the victim, and she broke into his house and then, like, tried to extort him. Like, just a lot going on for the Minnesota Vikings right now, Ted. It is. It's quite the situation there for Zimmer. My goodness. No, it, that's brutal. It's uh, it's When it rains, it pours. And all those guys right now, and we saw what happened with the Cal USC game having to be canceled. I guess they've rescheduled yeah. it, but um, you know the NFL put in place these super strict like if you have to miss a game, like it's a it's a forfeit, and you have to like pay the other team for like lost revenue or whatever. So yeah, it's they're facing a, a weird little weekend here. Yeah, but my my loser of the week. Scott Frost. Now, he's getting a fifth year at Nebraska. So, from that standpoint, he's a winner. But he is 15 and 27 so far, and they're 3 and 7 this year. But he is getting another year. And that's that's good for him. But he's my loser because of what he had to do to get that fifth year. First of all, he had to fire four assistants. Four offensive assistants. And these were guys that have been with him. Right, Three of these guys came with him from UCF. I think one of the other guys worked with him at Oregon. That's That sucks. I mean, that had to be a horrible feeling for Scott Frost, especially since he's the one that's responsible for the offense. Right? Remember, he got that job because of what he did from an offensive standpoint at Oregon and then at UCF. So he had to fire four guys that he's been with because he wasn't able to get it done offensively. That cannot be a very good feeling because the offense is his responsibility and it just ain't been good enough. It just hasn't. So you you look at those offensive failures, they fall on him. And four guys lost their job so that he can get another year. And then, so that that had to suck, right? But... Then he also gets the fifth year because he basically says, all right, here's eight and a half million dollars. Nebraska, here you go. Take it. I mean, he gave him, basically gave him eight and a half million dollars for his fifth year because he's taken a million dollar pay cut and then he restructured his buyouts where if he gets fired next year, it goes from, instead of it being 15 million, it's now seven and a half. So you'd say one plus seven and a half, that's eight and a half million dollars. 
So he must have a lot of faith that he can win some games next season, Ted, because, and he said, he said he wants to be like a CEO head coach now. Like that's just so that's hard for me to believe your job is on the line. You just fired your buddies. You're giving them eight and a half million dollars and your reaction is, yep, time for me to take a step back and let someone else run things. Like I just, it's weird, man. I, I don't know. I just, I don't see how, how that is going to happen. What CEO approach in year five. That's I mean, I don't know, man, but rough week for frost, even though he gets to keep his job, which is good. It sounds to me like this is what happened. Um, we're not going to fire you. We don't want to start this whole thing over. We're not going to fire you, but you are now relieved of your duties for the offense. We're getting rid of the offensive guys. We, this is Trev Alberts knows maybe who he wants to hire as an offensive coordinator. This is who we're going after. You are now the CEO coach. Your hands are off, off of the offense. We can't fire you, but this is the next closest thing. You know, and I, I kind of feel like that's that's what it is. And here's the deal, man. I I I don't think they should have fired anyone. I think Nebraska is really close to being a good football team. I do. I think they're just right there. The amount of of one score football games that that team has lost over the last two or three years is just absurd. And if they can get the right couple of players in there. I think it can make a huge difference, and that's going to be tough. I, I know getting the right couple of players in there is going to be difficult, but I I don't know. They can't fire him. They can't start over at square one. I think he's got them in a good spot. They just got to take the next step. Yeah, I just – it was interesting. It just seems like you, you give away $8.5 million and you got to fire your buddies. I mean, that's just – that's brutal. a bad week, man. It's brutal, man. Yeah, Brutal. On that note, episode 163 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. We'll be recapping OU Baylor. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more